We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. After some technical difficulties, we are back with episode number 99 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett, coming at you from Underground Studios, and uh, very fortunate that he is the ultimate big team guy, as they say, at Lacrosse Flash, and uh, he's been able to take time out of his schedule two days in a row now to uh, record this episode with us, and that is Mr. Adam Levy. You can check him out at lacrosseflash.com. You check him out on uh, the NLL website. And he covers the Vancouver Warriors as well, uh, just like I do for the Philadelphia Wings. Adam, thank you so much again for jumping back on the show. uh, And hopefully this time we don't sound like Star Wars robots. Yeah, although that does sound pretty cool, uh, I think uh, it'd be nice just to hear hear us talking so uh yeah thanks for having me and uh really excited to talk shop with you absolutely and uh you know luckily it was only a mini nll weekend this past weekend where uh we got two games to kind of just recap and break down we'll have a little bit of levy stats as we like to call them and uh we'll talk a little pll too i think this was the pll's way of saying hey guys we have a big announcement coming just wait until tomorrow to record this um (laughs) And we also have a bit of uh, big news regarding the New York Riptide as well, which we'll get into after we break down this game. But uh, on Saturday, the Wings, they took the road and uh, for the third straight week, and they went to the Coliseum to take on the Riptide in uh, the first matchup of what seems to be a growing rivalry, or at least what uh, many speculate will be based on just the geographical locations of these two teams. And the Wings... Finally, over 500 for the first time in the Paul Day era and uh, have a winning streak as well for the first time in the Paul Day era as they improved to 2-1 and one with a 15-12 to 12 win over the New York Riptide. And uh, you and I were talking on Twitter about this too. A, a big part of this game was uh, the face-off matchup between Trevor Baptiste and Alex Woodall where Alex Woodall almost went 50% with Trevor Baptiste and... Uh, that was a, a big storyline in this game, and the other one was Trevor Baptiste getting his 400th career face-off win. What did you think about this face-off matchup, and uh, do you expect us to see kind of more of these matchups as we move forward, you know, with guys like Joe Nardella coming up as a rookie, and uh, just a bunch of more, you know, consistency coming from the face-off position where it's not multiple guys on teams taking face-offs. It seems to be getting broken down to just one guy now well i think what you see happening is and you see it with woodall and you've seen it with baptiste and even withers and other guys is that the nll teams are drafting spatial face-off specialists 
But then, you know, in this NLL game, because it's so quick, because it's so physical, and because you need every player to have different uh, versatile skills, is that you need guys to do more than just be a face-off specialist. And that's what you've seen from Baptiste, you know, getting those two goals. Even if you look at his time on the floor, it's 18 minutes. That's way more than he's doing just spending time at the face-off X, whereas Woodall, just the nine minutes and 17 seconds. But as you said, Woodall was super impressive, and he's definitely one of the young, up-and-coming face-off guys so for the New York Riptide to have him is really key. And he did have 14 wins uh, at the faceoff X on 31 tries, which against Trevor Baptiste is an incredible achievement. So uh, I know that Trevor even post-game gave Alex praise about uh, the toughness that it was for him uh, to win at the faceoff X. So really impressive battle there. And it really did keep the game close. And it also, in the, the discussion about if faceoff wins are important, you know, it definitely helped uh, New York to get some runs going, especially late in that third and then in the fourth when they ended up tying the game. Yeah, New York's transition game was night and day uh, from their, their last matchup when they hosted Saskatchewan as compared to this game against the Wings. And, uh, you know, I think they're just continuing to find more chemistry with one another. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the guys that have stepped up uh, over the past couple weeks. Dan Lomas looks like an absolute steal for this team, his stick looks quick. Uh, he's putting up points, and uh, he's been a, a big contributor. Obviously, Connor Kelly was, uh, you know, expected to be one of the big names to really take a uh, a charge for this New York Riptide team and kind of be a face of the franchise. And then you look at guys like Tyson Gibson, the first overall pick, has a hat trick in this game. Really brought a lot of energy when he was out on the floor. Got the crowd, you know, super into it when he tied that game up. Uh, at 12 apiece and then a guy who I know you're familiar with in John Luke Chetner who really stepped up uh, in this matchup with a plus minus of eight and uh, had two goals and four assists how big of a piece do you think uh, Chetner can be for this team and uh, you know kind of really establish himself with the New York Riptide for uh, you know this new phase of his career yeah, I think as a young guy, um, his ability to find his teammates and, and pass the ball around um, is really spectacular. You noticed, yeah, I did I did see him a lot in Vancouver, but even from the time when he was in Vancouver to summer ball with the Maple Ridge Berards in the WLA, you could see that his ability to find his teammates in the summer, obviously he was playing then with guys like Curtis Dixon, so it makes your job a lot easier when you're passing to a guy who can score with such ease like Curtis can. But yeah, you're seeing that he's still able to find his teammates. Um, and even though he is uh, just one of these young guys still, you know, to be able to work with other young players like Tyson Gibson, uh, like Gail Thorpe, who have the ability to score. And Gibson, you know, the amazing thing about what he's done is he doesn't just score. His athleticism allows him to score these highlight real goals, which is so important into getting the crowd into these games. And especially when you play at home, when you're trying to get this energy in this new market, I think that that's really important for a team to have. So if Chetner can continue to find his teammates, you know, get three or four assists a game, you know, that allows uh, his teammates to not only feed off his success, but it, it helps his brand as well and then also shows other teams that, hey, you have to watch me because I can feed that ball to the guy for the score. We had a couple uh, first-time goal scorers in this game as well for New York. Jake Fox with an absolute highlight reel of a goal. 
uh, his first of his career and also contributed two assists in this game. And then John Wagner, brother of Philadelphia Wings defender Ryan Wagner. So not only was it a team rivalry, but we had a bit of a sibling rivalry in this game. John Wagner scores his first goal as well. Uh, how do you think Jake Fox can really, you know, cement himself into this lineup that does have a lot of, you know, young talent and, uh, you know, a, a ton of forwards that are all just kind of looking for playing time in this Reggie Thorpe-led offense. Um, I think Jake Fox is one hell of a player, and if he can, you know, even crack in, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game and contribute the way that he did on Saturday night, I think he can be an absolute piece for this Riptide offense. Yeah, and uh, interesting you bring up Jake Fox, because within the last 24 hours, uh, even though he had a great outing uh, for the Riptide in his first game, uh, with that spectacular goal and also those two assists. Uh, he's now back on the practice roster, and the Riptide have brought up Travis Longboat, uh, who had played in uh, four of the team's games. Uh, Longboat had two goals and two assists versus Vancouver. And I think that any expansion team, but any team in general, if you ask a coach, you know, it takes several weeks for a team to find its core, uh, you know, to find those guys, both offensively and defensively, you're going to say, okay, we're going to ride you for most of the season. And that goes especially for an expansion team. So when you have all these young guys, I think that Reggie Thorpe is going to figure out who fits with who best. And I think that ultimately, you know, by, you know, week nine, 10, I think that halfway through the season, we may start seeing a more regular lineup with this club. And I think one of the, the big things in this game and kind of early on for this season for the wings, for them to be able to be at this two and one mark is I think they finally have found their goaltender last year. It was just a revolving door with, I think about four goalies having played in or started games for them. They trade for Zach Higgins this offseason, and uh, he has really been a a solidified piece for this team and, and really uh, has made a, a world of difference for them to know that there is a consistent guy in between the pipes uh, for this Philadelphia Wings team. Yeah, he's been really strong and, and fairly consistent. I mean, in this game, he only had to make 37 saves, um, you know, so not pressured so, so much, uh, like maybe a Christian Del Bianco would, you know, at normally having to make like 45 plus saves or something like that. But, you know, the thing I was impressed with with Higgins uh, in this past game was his ability to make athletic stops in different ways, you know, kick saves, stopping uh, balls, getting through the five hole, moving from post to post. He was really all over the place and filling the net. And sure, he, he allowed some goals that I'm sure he would want back. But I think that his athleticism in net and his ability to, if he's not in position to make the stop ahead of time, you know, his ability to react in net was really important. And we look at this Wings offense that is just stacked from top to bottom. Uh, you've got guys like Matt Rambo. You've got Brett Hickey, who has finally uh, eclipsed the amount of games that he played all of last season as he made it through Game 3 on Saturday night uh, injury-free. Uh, obviously, Kevin Crowley, the face of this team, along with Kyle Matisse. And then you've got a guy who kind of lays under the radar, but uh, a silent assassin, as I like to call him, Josh Currier absolutely being dominant on the power play for this team, uh, which they need as the power play was a huge struggle for them offensively last year. But you tweeted out a, a very fun stat about uh, Blaze Reardon just the other day. And, you know, 
for him to be able to contribute without scoring goals yet has been huge for this Wings team. You know, a, a plus minus of uh, plus seven, which was a team high, and then contributing three assists, nine loose balls. I think Blaze, you know, once the shots start falling, if he can still contribute the way he has to start the year, he's going to be a force for this Wings offense. He definitely is. And I think that, you know, and I tweeted something out again today. This was about Randy Stotts. You know, if you're not scoring, if you're not finding the back of the net, which a guy like Blaze is capable of doing, you do have to be able to help your team in other ways. And he's been doing that all season. You know, uh, mentioning Randy Stotts, he's got one goal and 14 assists. Now, Randy is a a 30-plus goal scorer consistently in his career, uh, and he's way below that. But if you look at his assist numbers and his loose ball totals, he's on pace to set career highs. So if you're going to, you know, if you're not going to be able to hit the back of the net like you would have liked to, you know, you saw that with Robert Church last season as well. You got to be gritty. You got to get loose balls. You got to set picks. You know, you just got to be one of those, as Pat Gregoire says, your grinder to be able to, you know, really get games going and really spark your teammates and get that energy. And, you know, we brought up Trevor Baptiste breaking, uh, you know, Uh, another milestone in his young career hasn't even made it through two full seasons yet and has won 400 face-offs uh just an absolutely stupid number to think about uh having not only been in the league for you know now a season and, and three games how much you know more can we see from Trevor Baptiste in terms of just really creating you know what the face-off position could truly be uh, in the NLL and and really establishing it as an important roster spot where Trevor's you know defense has improved but in this game as well he wins you know two of these faceoffs and scores off them and, and adds two goals he's just become a Swiss Army knife for this team and uh, I got to talk to Paul Day after the game and he said Trevor's fitness is you know about fifty percent better than what it was even close to last season. And uh, he just looks, you know, energized and and like a new player to him. And I think if if Trevor can, you know, do the things he's done to start this season all season long, it's hard to argue that, you know, the Wings have an absolute unit in their back pocket and it's their faceoff guy. Yeah, and, you know, like you mentioned about Paul Day mentioning fitness and like we talked about before in the NLL is that, the face-off position is not just about a specialist anymore. You know, you can't have that in the field game. Or you can't have that in the field game, but not in the box game. So what Paul Day has been trying to do is he's been trying to work Trevor, you know, to utilize his skills. Trevor is a big, strong guy, and, you know, you see him use that force in his his manpower to basically control the ball. But it's not about just clamping the ball. You know, you have to gain possession too. And in the two goals that he scored, you saw that he was able to get his own possession and then use his speed to score a goal. So using, uh, working on his fitness, working on his speed, working on his strength and utilizing those skills that he may not have been used to doing back in Denver in the field game, you know, I think that he's built and his also drive is going to make him potentially one of the most versatile uh, face-off guys that this league has seen. And that's just a product of where the game is going. You know, if you talk to players from just 10 years ago, the game is getting quicker, the game is getting stronger. You know, sure, there might have been more physical play back then, uh, more fights and things like that. But just the general in-and-out, you know, physicality 
of guys checking each other and, you know, uh, getting close on defense and things like that. The game is just quicker and faster now and players have to adapt. And you see a lot of these young guys adjusting um, to the new game because the way that people train is just different. Now, there's two guys in this league that, you know, a lot of people were interested to see how their uh, their game would translate from the field game into the box game. And uh, I think they're doing a fantastic job as they are both in uh, season two of their careers in the NLL. One of them plays for the Philadelphia Wings, and that's Matt Rambo. Uh, the other being Connor Fields, who's playing out in San Diego. Uh, Matt Rambo, six points in this game. Only pl- He played just under 14 minutes. He's contributing at an all-time high. How incredible is it to you to see a, a guy who's known for his field skills uh, really just kind of learn each and every week last season as a rookie, and then it just continued to translate uh, you know, through three games of his second season in the NLL? Well, I mean, it's really important. I mean, look at his five assists and his plus five. I mean, he was doing everything, four loose balls. Uh, again, and like you mentioned, in under 14 minutes to contribute that and score a goal is really impressive. You know, it seems like Rambo, it's just like winning follows him or he creates a winning culture. You know, you saw with the uh, PLL, um, you know, now the Wings are on a two-game winning streak. Um, obviously what he did when he was in college was incredibly impressive. So Matt Rambo knows how to win. And I think that, you know, with the group of young players that they have, you know, you see it all the time on social media, whether it's Rambo or Baptiste or Blaze, you know, these guys are always hanging out, getting used to, you know, spending time together, you know, creating that bond off the floor as well as on the floor. And that's so important when you talk to teams, you know, you want your guys to be a family. You know, the uh, Calgary Roughnecks talked about that so much, about how that helped, especially with the adversity that they faced last season. You know, that the bond and care and appreciation that they had for each other, not just as players, but as people, uh, how that really helped them to uh, get to a championship. And I think that as these young guys like Rambo, who have incredible offensive skills, uh, come together, I think that you're really going to see a strong, strong core that if with expansion that is expected in the next several years, if you can keep all of those guys together, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. You look at this Wings defense, too, as they've been able to step up the past couple games and uh, you know help Zach Higgins out. Uh, they're not you know household names. You've got guys like Steph Charbonneau, you've got Ryan Wagner, Anthony Jokim, Last season, Anthony Jokin was the only one to, you know, really start the season off uh, being known. And then Steph Charbonneau was like, hey, guys, uh, I'm welcoming myself to this Philadelphia Wings roster and was an offensive force on the defensive end. But these three guys and then, you know, obviously the, the Wings bring in a guy like Ian Lord who didn't play in this game, but to have that savvy veteran along with this young defensive core, how important do you think you know that move was, and to see the the growth and progression of these young defenders, um, you know that are are coupled with such a, a talented offensive unit, to to see them develop this season, I think would be huge. What do you take away from you know this Wings defense kind of coming into their own now, as uh, they get some consistency behind them playing together? 
Yeah, well, if uh, if you talk about young guys who impressed in this last game, uh, Wad was really impressive, and he had that huge hit. I forget when it was in the game, but I remember uh, when I was working, I was even like, "Wow, that that clip's got uh, that hit's got to get clipped, and people got to see what this guy can do." He's a big dude, and I think that you know you need players who can be a big aggressive force. And you know, if you mention defense and transition. Kyle Matisse is huge, you know, a, a huge part of that. And the minutes that he logs is unbelievable. You know, I put out a, a stat, uh, I believe it was yesterday, that there's only four guys that have played over 30 minutes in a game uh, this season so far. And two of those guys were Hope and Capito, I believe it was. And they played over 30 minutes by like 20 seconds, and that's because they were in overtime against Calgary. But Matisse has played... 32 minutes in one game and this past weekend he played 35 minutes that's so that's more than uh four or five minutes more than anyone else other than himself so he's putting in the time and effort on that floor and at six five if you have a transition guy that can score two goals and he's that much of a force and he's on the floor for most of the game i mean that's a huge impact for your team and he still comes away with a positive plus-minus in this one at a plus-one, which playing 35 and a half minutes is just absolutely insane. And uh, But mm-hmm. that, you know, knowing Kyle Matisse, that's just him. It's in his blood. He wants yep. to be out there for every single possible play and uh, help this Wings team win. Yeah, and, uh, and you mentioned uh, Ian Lord before, you know, having guys that have been in this league, you know, Kyle Matisse has been around a few years, you know, his experience that he had in Georgia, I think, is invaluable to this team, especially when Georgia was such a force. Um, but, you know, if you have other guys like Lord who have that veteran experience, um, you know, all of those young guys that you mentioned, whether it's Courier or Yoakum, uh or Wad or others, you know, I think that having people who have played this game with a lot of superstars before, um, whether it was Lord in Rochester or uh, Kyle Matisse in Georgia, you know, they played with some of the best minds, whether it's Mike Poulin or uh, Lyle and Miles Thompson, you know, you can learn a lot uh, secondhand from guys that have played with some of the best in this league. And, you know, you bring up a guy who has that championship pedigree that was added to this offense through free agency. Corey Vitarelli is, is really making a mark on this offense, scores a goal in this game. Uh, and then obviously we said Brett Hickey making it through his third game this season as uh, he got injured halfway through game three uh, last season, but he contributes three goals and an assist in this game to have those two guys added to an offense that really got to play together for a majority of last season with Rambo reared in, uh, Kevin Crowley and Kyle Matisse to have that unit and then obviously Josh Currier who can do it all whether it's uh, on the power play or you know five on five what do you think the you know odds are for this team to just really have uh, a goal scoring you know mentality with with all the talent that they have from their forward position well, it's finding out, really, especially when you have young guys and, and establishing a culture and knowing who your uh, primary and secondary scorers are going to be. Uh, you know, no one should forget that Brett Hickey, uh, when he was with Toronto back in 2015, scored 50 goals, and then in 2017 scored 45. Uh, so this guy can light it up. You know, uh, he was injured uh, last year, and that definitely can uh, 
hurt a guy, but I mean, look at Jesse King. He's faced injury after injury, and yet he seems to come back, and uh, it seems like nothing's been wrong with him. Uh, but I think that, you know, this game to have uh, a hat trick and an assist, and again, to do that in under 15 minutes of play, I think that that's huge to get that kind of production from Hickey and that kind of consistency from uh, someone like that who, again, has experience and has the pedigree of being a top goal scorer. I think that if you can get even, let's say, a goal from Baptiste, but if you can get uh, a couple goals from Rambo or even if he's going to assist at that level, you know, if you're finding guys who are passing with regular regularity and, you know, other end, of course, Kevin Crowley, who's a predominant scorer, I think that um, finding guys who can score two, three goals every game, every game, every game consistently, I think that that's, um, you know, something that we have to uh, watch out for with the wings. And again, I think that just give it a few more games and this team will continue to find its consistency. Kicking it back to New York a little bit, too, with... Uh... You know, obviously the number one overall pick in Tyson Gibson to see him get his hat trick in that, you know, nice little run that New York had in the second half. You know, he's he's pretty much proving why he was the number one overall pick. Um, what have you seen from Tyson Gibson so far this season as, uh, you know, he tries to make his mark in his rookie campaign? Well, yeah, and like we talked about, you know, I think that his athleticism, bless you, um, is... Uh, is, um, you know, we've seen him score kind of um, really acrobatic goals, and I think that that really lights things up. Um, But his ability to also uh, make that extra pass and get that assist, you know, it helps teammates, you know, and I'm sure that it helps a guy like him to work with such a veteran like Tyler Digby, who also had a big game, two goals and three assists. So, you know, when you can learn from a guy um, who's been in this league forever, who has a championship pedigree, um, you know, who has a lot of uh, skills like Digby does. You know, I think that uh, Tyson Gibson, you know, is showing why he was the number one pick. And I think that he probably holds that um, deeply, um, you know, in terms of his expectations. You know, I spoke to him briefly um, at the beginning of the season, and I know he was, you know, uh, quite modest in saying, well, you know, uh, being the number one pick was an incredible experience. But I would imagine for any number one pick, uh, there is that added pressure, okay, I need to go out and perform, and especially if you're doing it for an expansion team where you could become the face of a franchise. Um, that can weigh on a guy, and it seems like he's stepping up so far. The Wings get back after it on Friday night as they uh, finally get to play a game at home against the Vancouver Warriors, and then New York is off until January 18th when they host the Georgia Swarm. But uh, the New York Riptide probably also told us to slow down a little bit before we put this episode out, Adam, as uh, they announced today that Rich Lisk is uh, now the executive vice president of their ownership group uh, coming over from the New England Black Wolves. How big of a move is this to bring in a guy with Rich's you know, pedigree and, and his knowledge to uh, an expansion franchise like the New York Riptide? Well, I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at what the New England Black Wolves have been able to do uh, up until this point. And, you know, Rich Lisk has his hand in that very deeply. Obviously, with head coach and now GM, 
uh, Glenn Clark uh, in that organization as well. A lot of the responsibility lies on him. But uh, having spoken to Rich several times, you know, he's a very smart guy, and it's clear with the team that he built up in New England that he knows how to build a winning team. And I think that um, even though he's going to be with the Riptide uh, as the vice president there, I think that what ha- what you'll see is that as New England uh, continues to succeed this year, you can't forget that he's a huge part of why they're so successful. So I think that... Uh, you know, as long as New England keeps winning with the pieces that they have, uh, Rich Lisk is continuing to uh, build his impressive resume. And I know a friend of the show, Tyler Brosius, is extremely happy that his former uh, work mom and dad are back together as uh, obviously Jen Hildebrand working as the uh, head of you know communications and PR with the Riptide. And now Rich is uh, with the Riptide as well. So I know Tyler is uh, through the roof as he's doing his thing with the XFL <laughs> And uh, I know he couldn't be happier for them to be working together again. Yeah, Jen is uh, is great. You know, being in touch with her for getting in touch with players and coaches. Uh, she's always super helpful and and very efficient and great. So it's great to see those two working together as well. I'm really happy for that as well. She is uh, one of the best in the business, and uh, very you know excited because that's a a very important mind and you know a guy who has a lot of experience coming to an expansion franchise that could really do a lot of work for them. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what Rich List can do with the New York Riptide. The other game, Adam, that we have to uh, kind of break down from this past Saturday, the Vancouver Warriors, who you get to uh, you know cover in, a, in an in-depth way. Uh, they went to Colorado, and Colorado just continues to look like an early season you know, force as a uh, they win this game 13 to 9 at the uh the Pepsi Center. Uh just an absolutely thrilling game. Obviously Vancouver got off to a a hot start in this one and then Colorado was able to, you know, regroup and and put some things together and and really look like a team that is poised to make a a playoff run and be a force in that Western Conference. Overall, what did you see from this game as uh you know, two young teams went at it, and uh, Colorado comes away with a big, big divisional victory. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see Vancouver get out to the start that they did, uh, especially in Colorado. The Loud House is one of the toughest places to play, uh, so for them to go so hot out of the gate and score those five goals, I think, in five and a half minutes, um, it's silence that really, really loud and an aggressive crowd, and I think that that was really important uh, to kind of set the tone early. But any coach will tell you that, you know, to to win in the NLL, you got to play a full sixty minutes. And uh, I'm not sure what Pat Coyle said to his team uh, after that first commercial break, but I can guarantee you it had a lot of expletives in it, and I'm also <laughs> saying that it probably had a lot of motivating words in it as well. And uh, I think that that's something that Pat is really good at, you know, really getting his team to believe in his system. And you really saw that the mind of Pat Coyle and his defensive strategy really buckled down for that final 55 minutes, uh, only allowing, uh, what was it, four goals uh, the rest of the way. And that's um, that's kind of the MO of what this Mammoth team has been through most of the season so far, shutting down really potent offenses. Uh, you saw it the week before, 
with the Georgia Swarm, uh, you know, only allowing them to 11 goals, which the way that they've been scoring this season is really spectacular. Um, so the way I see it is that for the West Division is Colorado's to lose at this point, the way that they're playing defense, the way that Dylan Ward is in net, and the way that they're able to score enough goals with a lot of these young players. I think that they... Uh, they are my favorite team and also the most consistent team in the West so far this season. And uh, I think that, you know, if you aren't watching the Colorado Mammoth, and it's going to be incredibly exciting to see them go against uh, Halifax uh, this weekend, you know, another really potent offense. But definitely watch out for the Colorado Mammoth and what they can do because they are definitely a force. Yeah, this Mammoth team last year, it was a big revolving door as they uh, were involved in a ton of trades uh with that now Halifax team when they were still in Rochester it seemed like every week those two teams had a transaction going through and now they kind of know who's on this roster it's a you know a, a young roster but there's also some veterans you know sprinkled in there as well that know what it takes to win but you look at guys like uh you know Kyle Killen really uh just coming into his own in his second season you've got a guy like Joey Capito who was Mr. Efficiency this weekend. Three shots, three goals, and uh, added two assists as well. Uh, Jacob Rue just looks like an, uh, an early-season MVP candidate for this team. Uh, obviously, you've got Ryan Lee. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on for this Mammoth team. How much do you think it, it comes into play for this team, knowing that they know who is going to be on this roster for the foreseeable future, and it's not a lot of, you know, guys in limbo uh, like it was last season. Well, the interesting thing that that, that you mentioned, uh, you know, the roster changing is I know that even though they have a lot of consistent players that have come in week in and week out for this team so far this year, speaking to Pat Coyle, I know that he's really eager actually to see what Dylan Malloy can do. Obviously, they picked him up uh, in the draft, and he wants to really insert him and see what he can bring from his field game experience and, and kind of transition that to the box game. So that could be another uh, another layer to this team as the year goes on. Uh, obviously, Malloy re- returning from injury or recovering from injury, so still trying to figure out how he's going to fit in there. But uh, adding another force like that could be huge. But I think, you know, you mentioned uh, a guy like Capito who had a huge game, one of his most efficient games uh, of his career, also added two caused turnovers. Uh, so that was huge. Uh, and the connection between between him and Ward on a couple of his goals, I mean, you know, that is invaluable to any team. And you see that with Christian Del Bianco uh, feeding his forward sometimes with that long Hail Mary pass. Uh, there's not much that defenses can do about that if you're having to transition your offensive guys off the floor and then have to get your defense back uh, in time when some guy's like sprinting out towards the other end of the floor. So uh, really impressive from Capito. And then uh, guys like Chris Wardle, uh, his goal and his assist also really good. Um, so yeah, the Mammoth are just getting scoring from all different places. Um, and then of course there is that spectacular defenses we'll get into in a second. Yeah. This defense has also gotten scoring and, uh, a guy that has really caught my eye is Jordan Gillies. He's in his age 25 season. And, uh, you and I both know that's kind of the season where you tend to break out if it's going to happen. Uh, he's already matched his goal scoring total from the past few seasons, through you know these first few games of the 2019-2020 season 
how you know important do you think it is for Jordan Gillies to really have that breakout season and give uh, the Mammoth you know goal scoring ability from the defensive end uh, of their yeah. their floor. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, and he's picked up his defensive game as well. 23 loose balls so far this season. Um, You know, his career high is 87, so he's on pace to break that. Uh, Five caused turnovers already, um, which is going to set him around his career high of 23, which he set back in 2017. Um, So to see him scoring, like you mentioned, uh, already having that, that same goal total, almost as many as he had in 2016, um, or half of as many as he had in 2016, uh, really important for this club. Now, uh, bringing him down to earth a little bit, he is shooting uh, 60% on the floor. Uh, so I expect that to go way down uh, just because no one can do that unless uh, you're a robot. And I'm not saying that he's not a robot, but uh, I do expect that to change. You know, even in his 2016 season, he shot 36% from the floor. Um, but again, you know, to have scoring from that back end, to be able to have those guys play such tight defense and then to still push up the floor, I think is adding another dimension to this mammoth team. So, uh, you know, as I said, you know, I think this team is evolving. You know, we've talked about the youth movement. Uh, We talked about that a lot in lacrosse flash, how this flourishing youth movement is really changing the way that this team uh, should be viewed. And I think that we're really seeing it continue to take it to this next level this season. And one thing we talked about on the lost file of uh, this episode was uh, Pat Coyle kind of pairing, you know, younger guys with the veteran guys. And a big, you know, part of the the success we've seen on defense, I think, has been, you know, that strategy with Warren Jeffrey in his first season. He's looked really good and comfortable out on the floor. Uh, I think just being paired with a bunch of veterans on the defensive end. What have you seen from Warren Jeffrey? obviously the mammoth's first round pick uh so far this season and how he's just looked really comfortable transitioning into uh his rookie year yeah and i know that pat coyle speaking to him about jeffrey he's so incredibly impressed uh jeffrey is a big guy he's good on his feet um you know and he's kind of an old school defender which i think pat can really relate to and i think he really respects that but like you mentioned you know to pair him you know uh, something that Pat Cole has been trying to do is, you know, pair young guys with older guys. So, you know, to have uh, Jeffrey out there with a guy like John Lentz or, you know, to have Robert Hope there out there with like a Brett Craig, I think that that's really important to, you know, learn for them all to play in the same system, but to know that they're these young guys who are going to learn from that veteran core that have been there and then they can play off of each other, you know, use their skills, their own skills, uh, and play off of that to their advantage. And I think that they've done that really well so far this season. And looking at this Vancouver team, although their record doesn't show it, they have been, I think, night and day from last season and have really found a lot of chemistry within this roster. And obviously it starts with the two big guys up front with Mitch Jones and Logan Schuss. They've looked fantastic to start this season. And then you throw in just the, you know, continuation of a a great, you know, 2018-2019 campaign from Keegan Ball uh, transferring over already this season as well. What do you think it is about this Vancouver team that, you know, the wins aren't there, but they've really started to to click on a lot of cylinders and, and find a lot of chemistry within one another? Well, if we go back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, you know, if you look at 
face-offs, having a guy like Bob Snyder in there who is uh, known for winning a lot of face-offs, especially in his few years um, when he was with Calgary. I think that that is, um, you know, really important. The Warriors struggled to gain possession off the face-off. Often last year, they were one of the worst in the league, I think, around 33%. Now they're up to about 43%. And I know that the team thinks that Bob can even reach uh, like 50 or a little above 50% as the season goes on. So I think that that's huge to get the offense rolling. They're not always playing from behind. You know, they're not always having to just send their defense out on the floor and not let their, not let their offense get into a rhythm. Um, you know, if you look at players, uh, Logan Schuss has lost weight and, you know, spent time in the summer training. Keegan Ball, who you mentioned had a great year, last year and is continuing to really really shine even you could say above the level that he played last year 15 assists has him on pace for a career high there um you know keegan was all over social media showing off his workouts and he had like rigorous training whether it was working on his conditioning and his strength in his lower body uh in his core this is a guy who is really determined to say, hey, I'm not a one-hit wonder who's come back into this league after Colorado may have blown me off. But, you know, I can come back here and I can show you that I can be one of the top scorers in this league, and he's continuing to do that uh, this season. And, you know, you look at uh, just guys wanting to come to this Vancouver team. Riley Lowen uh, comes over in free agency. He has a championship pedigree, to say the least, obviously, uh, having played with Saskatchewan and with Calgary, winning championships left and right. Uh, you know, how important do you think that is moving forward just for the future of this Vancouver team, knowing that guys want to come play here? There are, uh, you know, quote-unquote destination-type players on this team, I'd say, with Mitch Jones, Logan Schuss, and Keegan Ball. And then you have a guy like Matt Beers as the captain of this team, who I think a lot of players would say they'd be fortunate to call him a teammate. Yeah, you know, I think that there was a there was some skepticism at first when the Warriors were taking only BC guys and particularly Metro Vancouver guys. It seemed like maybe they were pigeonholing themselves to certain players. But as people and as the players have, you know, uh, attracted other players to join the Warriors um, because they're able to say how great um, Rogers Arena and how great the Akalani's are doing with this Warriors club. You know, whenever I'm in Rogers Arena, the show that they put on is really incredible. The energy that you feel, you maybe might not see it necessarily in attendance numbers yet. And I think that that's mostly to do with because Vancouver is a fickle fan city when it comes to sports. You know, you've seen it with the Canucks over the years. If they're not winning, it's hard to get people interested. And I think that that's just the market. It has nothing to do with the level that the guys are putting out there. And I think that as guys are seeing that they can be treated the way that they feel like they deserve as a professional sports organization, I think that that has attracted guys. You know, you can't forget Nick Billich, also a local guy, really unfortunate to see him go down. They then attracted a, a guy with championship pedigree and Brett Mitski, who can't play this season because of his commitments to Burnaby Fire Department, but he'll be there next year to bring in key guys like that. It's no longer just staying local, but it's staying local with really smart, talented players. It's really fun to watch, too, because, you know, it's a bunch of likable guys. Uh, Mitch Jones been on this show, Logan Schuss, uh, just on the new Lacrosse Flash podcast that uh, by the time you're listening to this, 
should have dropped by now, if I'm not mistaken. If not, uh, you definitely have to check that out. Logan is uh, going to be on our show uh, at some point. But, you know, I think just knowing the culture that's being built with this Vancouver Warriors team makes them very enticing and makes them fun to watch because it is just a group of guys that look like they really enjoy playing with one another. Yeah, and a lot of these guys, you got to remember, they have played together for many years, not only many of them with the Warriors, but also they play together uh, in the summer for the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. Um, so you have guys like Keegan Ball, Jordan McBride, Mitch Jones, Logan Schuss, you know, that core of offensive players, they all play together in the summer and have for many years now. So the chemistry's there. I think that, you know, uh, the Warriors are really still trying to find how to get their offense consistently flowing and how to get every guy scoring um, as many points as they're capable of. Uh, you've seen Jordan McBride step up in the last few games, and he's scoring a handful of goals every game um, after a slow one-goal game for him uh, in the season opener. And also the way that he scores his goals, you know, we talked about this, as you mentioned, in the Lost episode now. Uh, I'm always surprised that Jordan is a fantastic player, and, you know, he has this ability better than anyone I've seen in this league to consistently get so close to the crease or dive across the crease and score game in and game out. It feels like it's the majority of his goals are from within two feet from the crease. Um, so his ability to be able to sneak in there all the time and, and get those goals, those are the kind of gritty goals that if he can create fear in defenses where they have to watch the crease and that gives guys like Mitch Jones, Logan Truss, or ball space from the outside to score, you know, that could be a huge thing. Um, being quick on their feet on the offense and making those quick passes, uh, I think is really important. And, you know, you continue to see the chemistry of Mitch Jones and Logan Truss, who have been best friends for 15-plus uh, years now, um, back to their junior and minor days in lacrosse. You know, you're seeing that work now on the NLL stage, obviously Mitch coming from Buffalo uh, last season. So I think that that's working. And I think that you just see a more athletic, speedy, quick team. Um, so I think that they're more hungry. And I think that you see that in their level of play, the physicality. Great to see Owen Barker on defense continuing. You know, he's one of those gritty players uh, getting his cause turnovers. Last season, I was really impressed with his ability to just not, not be afraid to fight anybody. You know, that was really nice. Um, and then to see Chris O'Doherty back out on the floor, he's another guy that's no-nonsense on the defensive end. And then, of course, Matt Beers, their captain, uh, he seems to be playing out of his mind in every single level, and he's such a leader in the locker room. So I think that in every facet of the game, uh, obviously they need to find consistency with Penny or Bold or, you know, Penny finding a comfortable spot in between the in between the posts, but I think that this team is a step above where they were last year. It's very exciting, and uh, this Vancouver Warriors team gets to come out to Philadelphia this weekend to uh, – you know, celebrate LaxCon and open up the uh, the Wings' home schedule as they'll take on Philadelphia on Friday night. And then, like we said earlier, Colorado gets to take on Halifax in what looks like the game of the week. And in that lost episode, you had said it's arguably the game of the season thus far and could end up being that way by the end of the season with the way those two teams are playing. Uh, what are you most looking forward to from uh, Vancouver, Philadelphia, and then obviously the, the big-time matchup with uh, Colorado and Halifax? 
Well, uh, I was looking into it today, and actually what I'm most excited about now with Vancouver and Philadelphia, obviously two teams really trying to prove themselves. Philadelphia in the better position with the 2-1 and one record. Uh, Vancouver really thirsty for a win and going on the road. Um, definitely will be a great crowd with Laxcon there, and it's the first home game for the Wings this season. So I expect there be to be a loud, raucous crowd, and I think that um, being in that Rogers Arena atmosphere will make it a little bit more comfortable for the Warriors, but still that travel across to the East Coast might be a little tough for them uh, to adjust. But uh, I was looking into it, and if you remember, Keegan Ball had his 14-point game against the Wings last season, his five goals and nine assists. So um, as a Warriors uh, guy who covers the Warriors, another 14 spot would be kind of nice to see from Keegan. Um, not, not saying that that's normal, although, um, you know, Keegan has shown that he can rack up the points. So I'm going to be interested to see what he can do. Um, the Warriors need wins. Um, you know, obviously the wings do too, but you know, in this West division, uh, I think that, you know, I was talking, uh, to Steve Govett and, you know, the biggest thing that I heard from him is that, you know, it's, it, and it's just like a natural thought is that it's tougher to make the, the two playoff spots in your division when you've got five teams in your division instead of four. And that's where you're at in the West division. So the Warriors, you know, they can't take any games off. And yes, the Seals are slumping, but the Seals, you know, are missing two of their best scorers. And so once they come back, you know, everyone becomes a force. You know, the Roughnecks have guys that are also missing right now. Um, you know, and King, he, who's missing out, Dutch is coming back. So, you know, you've got all these teams that are really trying to build up for this second half, or second, third, and then final half of the season. So the Warriors really need this win. Now, in terms of Colorado and Halifax, it is my game of the year so far. It's my best defense, from my opinion, versus the best offense, in my opinion, in this league. Halifax is scoring from all over the place. Um, you know, you have Jake Withers at the faceoff X, who's, you know, arguably the best in the league, uh, next to Trevor Baptiste. So it'll be interesting to see how that can control possession. It'll be interesting to see how Colorado's defense can hold Halifax to however many goals, maybe like they did against the Georgia Swarm. And then, of course, it'll be interesting to see how Halifax can find a way around that gritty uh, Colorado defense and also to get past Dylan Ward. So it's going to be the best against the best, in my opinion, of two of the two of the top categories in the league. And I think that'll be an incredible game to watch. It is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to both of those games and, and really looking forward to being back in the Wells Fargo Center covering uh, this wing you know, team and season all year long. A uh, little bit of field news came out uh, the past few days. Atlas Lacrosse Club uh, finally bringing in their uh, their two assistant coaches in the PLL. Uh, Stephen Brooks going from player to coach, and then Rick Beardsley, uh, the pride of Syracuse University, coming in. And uh, I think those are going to be two big time additions to this coaching staff for Atlas as they uh, look to regroup uh, with a brand new coaching staff and. Uh, kind of a down season last year, but the PLL also announced today uh, opening weekend will be taking place at Gillette Stadium once again. So we get week one uh, up in Boston, uh, which should be a ton of fun. And it was really, really cool to see last year just the amount of you know well-known, whether it was celebrities or athletes or coaches, 
that were in attendance at Gillette Stadium. Most notably, Bill Belichick was there. Teddy Bruschi was in attendance. Uh, Gillette Stadium, just a beautiful facility. Uh, how do you feel about you know the opening weekend being back in Boston, Adam? I know you're more of a box lacrosse uh, you know enthusiast and and guy, and you're more uh, involved with the box game. But to see the you know playing at an NFL stadium two seasons in a row for the field game with uh you know your upbringing has to be really cool to see yeah i mean it's great to see the growth of the game and i think getting a, a stadium like gillette is big and i know that depending on which circles you talk to you know playing in a big arena uh like gillette stadium uh you know the optics can be a little tough because if you see sure the cameras are going to do their best but you know that the stadium isn't as full as it can be obviously just being in that stadium has that presence has that feel to it and i think that that is obviously eventually what you'd like to get you know you see that in the ncaa final four weekend every year in college lacrosse and you feel the energy there and as the pll grows it'll be amazing to see them hopefully fill out places like Gillette. Um, so I think it's a great place to start. You mentioned celebrities. You know, Paul Rabel is an amazing networker. He was recently, I believe, courtside with Sia, uh, the uh, pop star. So I'm sure he's got a lot of other celebrities in his back pocket that he wants to bring out to the PLL game. So that'll be great for exposure and for the average fan to see who's really coming to watch these games. It's obviously a great marketing ploy to get more relatable artists and people, other people that you can relate to in your everyday lives. So that's really great to see. Um, one thing that we talked about pre-show is that, you know, being out in the Pacific Northwest like I am, I'd love to see them hit that market uh, this year, which they didn't do last year, only going to L.A., Denver, and San Jose out west. So going to whether it's Portland, Seattle, or even Vancouver um, would be really great to see. Um, to continue to expand the game to that western region you even look at texas or other places phoenix would be another one in arizona um, there are so many places out west that this league can touch and make a huge impact so it'll be interesting to see as the rest of the schedule rolls out where they end up going yeah and another place out west that i definitely could see them going especially with uh the two guys uh will manny and marcus holman being in the league and really helping uh, that Utah lacrosse program at the NCAA level reach that Division One status. I would not be shocked if uh, we get a PLL weekend out in Utah, uh, which would be, that would be really great. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's so many markets out west, and if you continue to look at the growth of this game, I think it was the NLL commissioner, Nick Sakevich, uh, tweeted out last night uh, that if you look at the growth of NCAA sports, over the last decade, from 2009 to 2019, lacrosse has created 339 teams between men's and women's Division One to Division Three in that last decade, which is more than any other singular sport uh, in the country. So the growth of the game is huge. You know, people have said it's the fastest growing game in the country, and these stats are proving it. Uh, the the success and growth of the PLL is proving it. The success and success and growth of the NLL is proving it with their TV deals, with their billionaire ownerships coming in, like Joe Sy in San Diego, uh, and the special games they're going to be playing on the Air Force Base and in Las Vegas. So lacrosse is really hot right now, and it's not just a fad. You know, it's business people and and money and everything is going into it, and it's really showing that 
all the years of hard work and dedication that so many people have put into it is continuing to pay off. And I think that's really great to see. Yeah. And some of the, you know, whispers we've heard, you know, with the expansion coming to the NLL in the next three years with three more teams, you know, expected to be added. uh, It's a lot of fun and it's going to be interesting to see where the PLL travels. I know one spot that I've uh, consistently pushed is I would love to go see them play uh, down at Disney World because I think it would be an absolute just tourist attraction. You'd get a lot of people in and uh, who doesn't love a weekend in Disney? Yeah, I uh, I have to say I've been to Disney nine times in my lifetime, so I would not be opposed to going back to Disney. Um, I've been as an adult. I've been many times as a kid. Uh, I love it. So to go watch lacrosse there would be magical. It would be amazing, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to see how the rest of this schedule rolls out. To see you know some of the repeat stops that the PLL goes on, and uh, some of the new places that they add. Uh, in year two, but to know that opening weekend is going to be kicked off at Gillette Stadium again, I think is a big statement uh, for this league. And knowing that they have the uh, the support of uh, an NFL franchise like the New England Patriots and allowing them to use their facility uh, is a huge step in the right direction, not only for the league, but for the sport in general. Adam, you're the absolute best. Uh, thank you again for hopping on, not once, but twice, uh, to do episode number 99 of this show. Let everybody know where they can read all of your articles. I know you are all over the place and uh, where they can also follow you on Twitter and get you to 1,000 followers. Yeah, well, I'm really trying to push the social media stuff this year. Uh, I've never been a big social media guy, but you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Adam Levy Sports. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram uh, if you'd like at You Never Sport Alone, which if you're a soccer fan, you'll know is a tribute to Liverpool FC. So uh, you can go follow me there. But Twitter is all about my lacrosse and, and everything NLL and everything box lacrosse. I also cover uh, the WLA and summer games there. Uh, I'm working on a few pieces this week, uh, one on the Rochester Nighthawks for the NLL, and I'm also working on one on the San Diego Seals. Both teams uh, obviously looking to turn things around, different approaches from them, so you can check those out on NLL.com and other pieces that I do for NLL.com. And of course, on Lacrosse Flash, which is an incredible site that is trying to bring 24 uh, 24-7 lacrosse news and just fun information to you uh, through videos, social media, and my articles, as well as the rest of the staff. You've got Austin Owens, who does great social media work, great graphic work, and does some really great writing as well. Pat Re- Gregoire is a contributor there, also doing some great social work and really helping the team out. And then, of course, we're led by Tyson Geik, who is kind of the mastermind behind this whole project, um, to kind of give a different take on following the sport of lacrosse. And I know that it's got a lot of following from players and coaches alike because we're doing something different, you know, bringing it a fun, young twist to short videos, exciting graphics, things like that. So you check that out on lacrosseflash.com. We're continuing to grow week in and week out. And of course, you mentioned earlier the Strip Podcast, which should be up tomorrow. Logan Schuss has talked about, if you've watched the teasers, um, how he himself is such a uh, a bachelor and how He's, uh, he's single and ready to mingle. So I think that that will be really fun to listen to, kind of a different fun take, a bit of a spin chicklets kind of thing uh, for lacrosse players. And I think that that should be a, a must listen every week. 
I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, all of the articles you put out on a weekly basis. And uh, can't thank you enough for jumping on this episode of Outside the Box and adding it to your already illustrious resume when it comes to the sport of lacrosse. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, a little preemptive, but congratulations on 100 episodes of the podcast. That's a huge deal. So uh, continue making great content. And uh, whenever you guys need me, I'm totally available. And well, not totally available. I'm quite busy. But if I'm available, you guys can uh, reach out and I'll be able to help. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you. And uh, we will definitely take you up on that offer because it's a ton of fun recording these episodes with you. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Have a good one. Can't thank the legend that is Adam Levy enough for uh, hopping on episode number 99 and making this a, a really fun episode, a little bit different uh, with the way we approach, you know, recap shows and, you know, having a little uh, PLL talk as well and kind of uh, picking each other's brains on where we'd like to see the PLL travel to in year number two. You guys are the absolute best for, uh, you know, sticking with this. And obviously, you guys saw the announcement that uh, Herm is no longer with the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Uh, he will no longer be hosting outside the box with me either. But uh got to thank him for, you know, all his contributions over the past year plus, uh, whether it was vlogs, hosting the podcast, doing a couple articles here and there. Um, can't thank him enough and uh, wish him nothing but the best as uh, he pursues, you know, his career with signature lacrosse, wherever that may take him. I know he's going to uh, succeed at the highest level, but make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at OTB LaxPod. Same thing for Instagram at OTB LaxPod. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And make sure you're following Adam and get him to over a thousand followers. He absolutely deserves it. It's at Adam Levy Sports. A-D-A-M-L-E-V-I Sports And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast On Apple Podcasts Leave those 5 star ratings and reviews Let us know where you want to see the PLL travel to In year 2 Your thoughts on uh, you know the upcoming weekend How you think this Wings team looks For our Philadelphia listeners This, this New York Riptide team Kind of putting it together Just need to get the wins there And uh, let us know if you're going to be at LaxCon Drop it all in the Apple Podcast reviews, we are rolling deep at LaxCon with this with the uh, the crew we are are pulling out there. We have to do it big because it's in our backyard in the great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And if you don't have an iPhone, you can always check us out on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, and we are working to get on a few more platforms as well that I know some people have asked me about, but. Uh, it's been one hell of a ride, and the next episode is episode 100. 100 episodes, and as our good friend and my mentor, John Barchard, friend of the show, uh, says, you're not a true podcast until you reach 100 episodes. So later this week, we will finally become a true, real podcast and hit episode 100. Thank you, guys, and uh, we will have more information regarding the future of the podcast, who's going to be hosting with me in studio, on the phone, whatever it may be, uh, we're going to make this thing work. So if you still ride with us, thank you for that. If not, thanks for riding with us uh, as long as you did, and hopefully we can uh, keep you around. So this has been episode number 99 of the Outside the Box podcast. But before I let you go, make sure you check out our friends at Design Tree. 
dsgntree.com. Search outside the box. Today is their birthday as we record this, so happy birthday to Design Tree and to the homie Drew, who uh, is the ringleader and runs everything Design Tree. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for all you do for the network and for outside the box and obviously Underground Sports Philadelphia. Um, so make sure you check them out, dsgentry.com, search Outside the Box Podcast, and uh, you can get you know all of your OG merch, the NLL OTB logo collab shirts, whatever it may be. And as I'm recording this, I'm pretty sure the promo code HOLIDAYS is still active. That saves you, saves you 20% off your purchase at checkout. Thank you guys for uh, checking out episode number 99 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Big thank you to Adam Levy again for being a hashtag big team guy. Make sure you check out Lacrosse Flash as well. They do a fantastic job. Friends of the show. And uh, we'll catch you guys later this week to uh, preview LaxCon break down any more PLL news that may come out and uh, preview a fun weekend in National Lacrosse League action. Plus, the Wings are home. The Wings are finally home. So for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. Thanks for checking out Outside the Box. We are signing off. Peace. Peace.